hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home. Good morning and welcome to the Kern County Real Estate Review on 97.7 FM KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com. We are proud to bring you the most trusted real estate advice and insights with the one and only Lori McCarty. As Kern County's most listened to realtor, Lori McCarty has been successfully selling real estate for over three decades, helping over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. With her vast experience and knowledge, Lori is consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide. But Lori doesn't work alone. She heads up the McCarty Group, a team of dedicated professionals who are well known for their knowledge, professionalism, and unwavering commitment to their clients. Whether you're buying or selling, the McCarty Group is your partner for a smooth and stress-free experience. As one of the most successful real estate teams in Kern County, the McCarty Group has helped countless families achieve their real estate goals. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you can trust the McCarty Group to provide you with expert guidance and personalized attention every step of the way. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, look no further than the McCarty Group. With their unparalleled knowledge and expertise, they can help you get the most value for your investment. To learn more, visit them online at themccartygroup.com. Or call 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653 to speak with one of their team members today. And a good morning to you, Lori. Good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing this morning? You know, it's really weird. It's it's late July already, and my son doesn't like to go to the store with me because everything says... Back to school shopping, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's only like three four weeks three weeks away. Oh, to back that to school. is just so hard to believe. Of course, I have to admit, I was one of those school nerds. I was like always looking forward Look at- to it, and i I loved getting new school supplies. To this day, okay. I still think you know new paper, stationery. That's New pens, pencils. I just, I think that's cool stuff. I know. I'm a weirdo. I'm going to guess new school clothes too, maybe? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, because I'm thinking like, you know what, son? You're bored all the time. We're deep into summer now, so I think you're going to enjoy going back to school. Come on. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. would think. But, you know, it's good to drag your feet, you know, for the first few weeks, right? And then... You don't want to seem too eager these days, right? <laughs> Particularly yeah. when you're a guy, right? Yeah. Girls, yeah. I think it's okay to be a little more eager to go back to school. Yeah, and, and enjoy that time off because when you start adulting like us, Ugh. there's no breaks. There are no breaks. Enjoy it. There aren't, unless you're a teacher. Unless you're a teacher, yeah. Right. But well-deserved break, though, for the teachers. Absolutely. Well-deserved break. So. Yeah. What are you doing for the weekend here? How's it going so far? Uh, well, thanks for asking. I mean... <laughs> Interestingly enough, with the weather being just a touch cooler, that alone has already put a smile mm-hmm. on my face, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's just those little things that make a difference. Last weekend, I thought I was going to just die. <laughs> um, now, as for what I've been up to, well, you know me. Work's been keeping me on my toes. 
Um, there's always something exciting happening in the world of real estate. Uh, so, so far today, I've been busy catching up on emails, responding to offers, and negotiating some contracts. Um, but that's all part of the job, you know. And as you know, I genuinely enjoy staying busy, right? Beats the alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been up to anything exciting i mean have you had a chance to like unwind and recharge yet uh you know what hanging out in the pool has been nice oh good but the uh, at some point the even the pool water gets kind of warm it, it does it does like a feels bath. a little tepid yes. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so so uh, besides swimming in the pool just hanging out and trying to stay cool yeah that's all we can do. I think that's what the rest of the summer is going to look that's like. What, <laughs> I think so. I think so. So now I don't see a guest in the studio. Um, what are what are the plans for today's show, Lori? Well, this morning we have Ryan O'Connell of How to ADU, who's going to chat with us about accessory dwelling units. Uh, he's located outside of Bakersfield, so we're going to give him a call. But before we introduce Ryan, I want to chat about some real estate news. You know, I try to bring you a news segment on the Kern County Real Estate Review each week um, where we dive into the latest updates that can have an impact on the world of real estate. And today, I stumbled upon a fascinating article that caught my attention. The headline, courtesy of CNBC, boldly proclaimed, starter homes may be a thing of the past. Now, I don't know about you, but that certainly piqued my interest, and I'm here to give you the scoop on this article. So according to the report, it seems that the concept of the traditional starter home is undergoing a significant shift for millennial and Gen Z home buyers. You know, those up-and-coming generations that we often hear about. So the data from the National Association of Realtors reveals that almost 40% of Americans that are aged 25 to 44 who purchased homes last year have no plans of moving anytime soon. They say they're in it for the long haul with a commitment of 16 years or more in the homes they just purchased. Now, for those fresh-faced home buyers between 18 and 24, that number jumps even higher to a staggering 48%. Now, traditionally, a starter home was the initial stepping stone into that world of home ownership, right? It was a smaller, more affordable abode where individuals or families would reside for a brief period of three to seven years before moving on to their next home. But It seems like this concept is becoming a relic of the past, according to the insights that were shared by Jessica Lotz, the NAR Deputy Chief Economist and Vice President of Research. So what's the reason behind this trend? Well, it turns out that those fortunate enough to have purchased homes last year secured themselves some pretty low mortgage rates. In fact, I had a chat recently with a local lender, and they informed me that as of July 11th, the weekly national average mortgage rate has officially surpassed the peak we hit back in October of 2022. In fact, these rates are the highest we've seen in over 20 years. Now, that's quite the shift, isn't it? 
So instead of buying a home with the intention of upgrading in just a few years, it seems like many first-time homeowners are opting to put down roots and stay put. Of course, we're going to have to wait and see if this trend continues, but you can count on me to keep you updated. I'll be keeping my finger on the pulse of the real estate market and bringing you all the latest developments that matter. All right, folks, it's time that we take a brief break, but fear not, when we return, I have an exciting treat in store for you. We'll be welcoming a phenomenal guest, Ryan O'Connell, to the mic, and I can't wait to introduce him to each and every one of you. In our upcoming conversation, I'll be diving into a really hot topic that's been buzzing in the real estate world, accessory dwelling units. We'll be exploring the ins and outs of these innovative living spaces, discussing their potential benefits for homeowners and communities alike. Ryan O'Connell is a true expert in this field, and I'm thrilled to have him share his knowledge and insights with all of us. So, I urge you to stay right where you are, keep those dials untouched, and get ready for an engaging and enlightening conversation about accessory dwelling units coming your way in just a few moments. Go grab a refreshment, stretch those legs, but make sure you're back here with us because you won't want to miss this captivating discussion. We'll be back before you know it. Be sure and stay tuned because we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors on 97.7 FM KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch. Request an in-person tour. Find out the value of your home and see the McCarty Group's success stories. Consistently ranked in the top 10 agents in North America for Coldwell Banker and on the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents, she is truly an expert in her field. The desire of the McCarty Group is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. Hi, Sebastian Gorka here with a hot real estate tip for you. Stay on top of the hottest trends every weekend when you tune in to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Laurie McCarty. Saturdays at 11 a.m. and Sundays at 8 a.m. on KNZR. We're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 97.7 FM KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com. So today we have the pleasure of visiting with Ryan O'Connell of How to ADU. So Ryan, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and for joining us here on the Kern County Real Estate Review. How are you doing this morning? Oh, it's my great pleasure. I, I love talking to to folks, homeowners in every part of California, including Kern County, so I'm very excited. 
Well, great. So that our listeners can learn a little bit more about you, um, tell people um, a little bit about yourself. I am obsessed with housing, and that's a weird obsession. It means I go to a lot of, like, city council meetings and, and uh, things that think, people think are kind of boring. But I come out with all the news about what you're allowed to do with uh, your property. And that these days, that includes a lot of building in your backyard or converting mm-hmm. parts of your house into apartments or ADUs. That is great. Um, I'm obsessed with housing, too, but in a little bit different manner, which is why I have you as an expert on the show today. So I want to jump into asking you, what exactly is How to ADU, and what all do you do there? But before I ask that question, could you tell everyone what exactly is an ADU? Sure, it's a mouthful. It's one thing. It's it stands for accessory dwelling unit. But at different times, people use granny flat or backyards cottage or auxiliary dwelling unit or mother-in-law suite. It's basically a, a type of house that you can either build in your backyard or you can convert part of your house into a unit, an apartment. And there's been a lot of legislation that's passed with this really really clunky term, ADU. Uh, that lets homeowners do a lot of things that were very hard to do before. Um, now they're relatively streamlined. That's that's what an ADU is. Okay, and I've also heard the term junior ADU. Can you tell us mm-hmm. what that is and how it differs from an ADU? Yeah, it sounds like a subset, like uh-huh. a specific kind of ADU, but it's a whole it's, its own thing. <laughs> okay, they developed the legal terms at the same time uh, in. This will get a little wonky, but a junior ADU is only when you convert part of your existing house, uh, not new construction or a detached part of the house. Okay. And it can share a little bit more. Like, it can share utilities a little bit more. It can uh, share the bathroom with the primary. It can share a lot more. And in that way, it's junior. Now, that doesn't mean that all conversions of your existing house are juniors. Uh, It's just one of the things that you can do instead of or in addition to an ADU. It gets a little complicated, but that's why I'm here. (laughs) Yes, it is. All right. So tell us, what exactly does How to ADU do? Yeah, it's it's, uh, – Easiest to say, I'm a YouTube channel and a blog, so I provide a lot of free resources. Anybody who's listening now can just go Google how to ADU, and you'll find all the social media stuff. And it, it, I've created as many free resources as possible so that people can do the early steps of research uh-huh. and learn what's actually available to them. They can get up-to-date information about, like, state grants. Like last year, there was a $40,000 grant. That's always very interesting. Yep. Things like that. Um, and, and that way, you can get the free information for free <laughs> before you start spending money on architects and contractors and things like that. Well, that just sounds wonderful. So what inspired you to start How to ADU? Yeah, well, it, it won't come as a surprise to anybody that housing affordability is a real issue in California. Whether no kidding. you own and pay a mortgage or whether you pay rent. You get a monthly reminder of how bad that is, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and as a small business owner that, well, I started a small business and became a big business, <laughs> I started to see some of my best team members couldn't afford to live 
in the region where we were. I'm up in wine country in Napa. Uh-huh. And I, I just, it broke my heart. And so I wanted to do something about housing. Okay. And um, I, I kind of studied the subject for a long time from from afar. And when the ADU rules started popping up in California, I said, oh, that's interesting. This is in my wheelhouse. I, I actually think it's a lot like wine. People always squint when I say that. But it's a deregulation. It's giving rights back to individuals um, and it's kind of this decentralized solution to the housing shortage where everybody can chip in and, and, uh, and build some wealth while they're doing it. So that's why I started it. <laughs> that's great. And, and why have they become so popular in recent years? Yeah, it's really all about the legislation, right? So most people, if, if you have a story about getting a permit, your, your stereotypical story is probably that it's very complicated. Right. You know, your city planning commission can get in the way, your city rules can get in the way. And as a result, the state has passed these statewide rules to say, hey, if you're doing this very specific thing called an ADU or a junior ADU, we're going to make it easier in some ways. And by streamlining those specific things, those specific elements, they made it much, much more popular. And it's it's taken a couple tries to get the legislation just right. But these days, you're seeing a thousand of these a month permitted around the state. So it's very exciting. Wow, I didn't realize the numbers were quite that high. That is exciting, Uh, particularly in light of our uh, limited housing and um, the lack of affordability. Um, So Mm -hmm. can you explain to us some of the benefits of an ADU? Yeah, sure. ADUs are super flexible, so it's hard to put this in in a short soundbite, but you know, take all the time you need. Age, <laughs> thank you so much, Lord. If you're trying to age in place, I meet a lot of seniors who love their community, love their neighborhood, love love their property, but they don't need their big house anymore, mm-hmm. and so they'll build an ADU for themselves and, and downsize into the ADU, which is modern and functional and and designed for the several decades that are going to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, other other seniors will say, "Oh, I'm going to travel the world and just use the ADU as a little a uh, little." vacation home for myself where I keep my ski stuff in the, in the summer and I keep my, my, uh, my swimming trunks in the winter. Oh, I love uh, it. Other people live in the primary and they rent out that ADU. Other people house a family member who, like, if maybe you've got a lot of Sanders generations right now, mm-hmm. Gen Xers who kind of have a, an aging parent that needs a place to stay or an adult child who's moving back out of college and they want them to come back to California. All of those are instances where multi-generational living through these ADUs on your property are very appealing compared to the cost of a rental or senior care facility, things like that. Okay. Now, are there any negatives or drawbacks to having an ADU at your home? Well, you know, the thing that people always worry about with good reasons, property tax, and the way that works is that the new construction will be assessed by your, your tax assessor, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't affect the, the assessment of your existing house. And so there are some, you know, small disadvantages like that, but they're, they're all something you should weigh in your specific conditions against the, the perks you're going to get from having that extra house or extra unit. And uh, things tend to work out. Okay, great. So what are some various types of accessory dwelling units? I mean, you've talked a little bit about um, maybe garage conversions or 
um, building something new. Are there other types? Sure. The the term ADU is like a planning term, and okay. the planning department in your your jurisdiction, they just care about land use, right? They're kind of rule followers. So you can build them out. You can convert existing parts of your property. If you have a big barn somewhere on a rural lot, you could convert that whole barn into like a, if it's a 2,000 square foot barn, it's a 2,000 square foot ADU potentially. Um, and it could be a tear down and replace and it still counts as a conversion. Otherwise, you have ground up new construction. There's a lot of prefab or modular options that are coming out. That uh, you could do pretty much anything from a planning point of view, and then from a building code point of view, you just got to make sure it's safe, and that's what the building inspectors are there to do. So, lots of versatility with this tool. Um, if you've got a space, whether it's a big blank space on your lot or a part of your house that you're just not using to its full potential. There's a lot of companies out there that'll do free consultations and kind of give you the, the what-how about whether that's a good conversion potential or not. Wow. That was such a great introduction and a lot of helpful information. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break, and when we return, I want to ask you some questions that are specific to our county, as well as questions that my fellow realtors might be wanting the answer to. So we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty on 97.7 FM KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be right back. listening to KNZR 97.7 FM and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review featuring our host Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at The Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Saturday mornings. And this morning, we're talking with Ryan O'Connell of How to ADU. And Ryan, you've talked about a people adding an accessory dwelling unit to their home. Have you ever heard of anyone removing them or having to tear them down? Sure. A lot of the time, people end up with existing non-conforming structures. I, I, that's another clunky phrase, but I never say illegal because <laughs> that, that just gets you in trouble. They're not illegal. They're existing non-conforming. <laughs> but I, I meet a lot of people with these existing non-conforming structures because people have been building conversions for a long time, whether the law allowed them to or not. And that's usually where you get into trouble because the city or the county, they're really concerned with the safety of the inhabitants, and that's their number one concern. And it's very possible in some areas they'll come in and give you a very easy way to um, bring that unit up to code, and some of the state rules have increased the amount of amnesty programs that exist. But in other areas and in specific situations where they think things are unsafe, they'll just shut things down. They'll do what, again, breaks my heart, but like they'll, they'll ask people to, to um, fill in plumbing and uh and and really and 
tear down structures. And that's, that's, a, that's a tough pill, but it does happen. You, you can lose units, too, if people aren't careful about construction. That could be tough. Um, so, so, Ryan, tell me, uh, if our listeners out there are wanting to, to put an ADU on their property, where do they start? What's the first step? Yeah. I, I tend to take a kind of two-step approach. One, you just want to talk to your local planning department. They work for you, and they're going to be the local police power, the local enforcement agent, whether they're friendly or not. And so it, it never hurts to find out what their take on your project is. And you can just go into, hey, do you have any documentation about accessory dwelling units? I, here's my address. Is What can I do? Mm-hmm. At the same time, you go to the state's uh, resources, and there's a state HCD, is the Housing and Community Development. You Google California HCD ADU handbook, and there's a big old handbook with a good explanation of all the statewide rules. It's 50 pages long, but just skim it. Just skim the big words, right? <laughs> and what if anything that the city or county tells you seems to contradict those that state rules, go back and read the whole section and try to reconcile the two. Which now, takes precedence? Usually, is, it, is it the yeah, so, local? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit complicated, yeah. The way that, so this is not legal advice. Uh, so of course. The way that it works is that... Um, Cities have local policing power over safety and you say morality <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and lots of things like that. And that includes the planning department. Okay. So they're the ultimate enforcement authority. That said, there's certain things that they can't do. They can't just like in the past there were crazy laws like redlining and, and really discriminatory practices. And those are forbidden now, right? And so the state has added some things that the cities can't do through the state legislation. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Okay. So the enforcement authority, the, the people who really matter are that local agency, like the planning department or the building department, but they do have to respect these state rules. And hopefully just by showing them that handbook and the proper section, that fixes most of the problems people come to me with. Cause they say, Oh, you know, it's page 19 in the handbook. Go show the city planners, and if if they they still don't agree, then there's a way to escalate things with the state, and things get a little more complicated at that point. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so, ballpark, um, can you give mm-hmm. us an estimate or a range? That's probably a better uh, ask <laughs> of how much it. It's going to cost to build an ADU in California. Obviously, different regions, it's going to vary widely. Mm -hmm. Um, But is there kind of a number that we should have in mind for what this might cost us if we want to put an ADU on our property? Yeah, it's very hard to give uh, even a range because projects can differ so much, right? If you have, let's say, an existing nonconforming garage that was done properly, Mm-hmm. Uh, and all you need to do is kind of bring it up to code with some inspections, mm-hmm. you might get out for a very low amount. I don't even like saying it because it primes people with the wrong right. number. The, if you're ground up new construction, these are very, they tend to be under 1,200 square feet. Right. And they still have a full kitchen, a full bathroom, foundation, utilities, trenching. They have a lot of the fixed costs of mm-hmm. a big house. Mm-hmm. 
and they're amortized over a relatively small square footprint. So people t- like to ask about cost per square foot, and that's really dangerous, too, because the number gets very high. Right. Um, what I'll say is, you know, it, it, these are six-figure projects. They're very frequently in the high 100000 range uh, just to start. Uh, in Kern County, labor's not quite – I live up in uh, the Bay Area. Okay. Labor's crazy up here, so I usually say it starts in the high twos, mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're happy if it starts with a three. Where you guys are, you're, you're able to get out in the hundred, hundred and some thousand range. If it's a conversion, you could get even lower than that, okay. but don't take it for granted. You really want a GC to come out, look at your specific project, and give you a bid based on your specific scope of work. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, absolutely it does. That's why when people ask me what are homes selling for on a price per square foot basis, I tell oh, yeah. them, whoa, can't tell you that because it yeah. depends on the features and amenities. It depends on the location, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. So I completely Exactly. Understand. Exactly. The, okay. the, right, the right thing is just, hey, I want people to know these are completely feasible. It's better to plan for them to be expensive mm-hmm. and to come in under budget. Right. Because then you have a, a big old budget to, to start your maintenance savings fund. Right. <laughs> if you're renting it out. Um, uh, on the other hand, if, if there's a lot of people out there who say, oh, you could do these for 70000 um, I always I, I worry because I, I don't want people to go in with just 70000 get two-thirds of the way through the project, rack up a bunch of credit card debt to finish. That's, that's a really bad uh, place to get in. Absolutely. So always plan for these to be in the six-figure range. Okay. Now, earlier you were talking about um, some grants um, mm-hmm. uh, that ac- happened last year. Um, are there other funding programs for homeowners that are wanting to build an ADU? Yeah, actually, that same grant funding source, it's very exciting. It just happened a couple weeks ago the state reached a new budget deal, mm-hmm. and that uh, provides $50 million in ADU incentives through wow. CalHFA. Wow. Now, CalHFA can choose to put that toward the grant program, that same $40,000 grant program, mm-hmm. or they could choose it to put, to put it to other programs. And that's actually, so this is another place where my, my channel and my online stuff, you can get involved. It, you can write emails to CalHFA, you can write emails to the, your senator, and, and try to influence how that, that $50 million gets used. Um, and that's uh, something that I believe very strongly in, because I've, I've talked to hundreds of homeowners who got the grant last year, mm-hmm. and hundreds of homeowners who won't be able to do their project unless there's grant funding for them this year. So that, that's a, another big deal. We could be seeing that $40,000 grant come back, but it's not a sure thing. Okay. Now, Lori, could you actually take out a mortgage for something like that? I mean, if you're thinking over hundred grand, um, you know, that's something I would have to explore. Uh, it's not something I've actually um, run into before. I'm thinking the only possibility might be a second mm. on the home. Okay. Um, that's getting more and more popular now because uh-huh. of the record low interest rates. Most people have locked in. Right. over the past couple of years. Um, and you, you've got a lot of innovative products. So Freddie and Fannie are a little slow to innovate because they're right. regulated. And that's a good thing. <laughs> right. but, uh, but you do see some more programs coming forward that will count the future value of your ADU and its rental income. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They'll also allow you to go up to 90% LTV of that future value, not to get too wonky, but they'll give you more money based on the fact that the ADU will be worth something as soon as it's done uh, being built. And, uh, and, and those programs are very exciting, and they'll take a second position, as, as you mentioned, which means you do not lose your great rate on the, on the primary uh, mortgage. There's also some limited circumstances where people are looking at, let's say you're buying a property with the intent to fix it up and build an ADU, then you can access things like the home style loans uh, that'll also count future built value. Um, and those take a primary position, but that's normal since you're buying a property to uh, fresh for the ADU. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. I'm going to imagine that you're seeing more of those lending programs up there in the Bay Area than we are here because you've got much more limited space up there, and I'm going to imagine ADUs are far more common there than they have been here. Mm -hmm. But I imagine that, as always, Bakersfield kind of trails behind the rest of the state, but I think we're catching up. Um, I think that this is (laughs) becoming, um, you know, more and more of a topic on everyone's mind, uh, particularly as people look at the potential, as you said, for aging parents, for um, adults moving back home, um, and for the potential for rental income from an ADU, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I will say Los Angeles has Mm -hmm. led the charge on ADUs, and it's, it's done that both by being so it didn't get in the way. The city didn't get in the way. Mm-hmm. And in addition, there's just so many houses there with garages and, and potential conversion units. Mm-hmm. But you're right that Kern County is a little bit, uh, a little bit behind in that respect. But it's got so much to play for. People don't realize how big Bakersfield is, right. and as a population center for this state, um, and, and its proximity to other large population centers down the south. It's a very important market to affect housing affordability. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're seeing um, we are attracting um, buyers from throughout the state um, as -hmm. they recognize how affordable we are and Mm -hmm. uh, the ability to be able to work from home um, just Mm -hmm. helps fuel that. So, Absolutely. Um, I, I'll also mention some of those lending programs I, I mentioned, a lot of it is focused on the Bay Area. There's some local credit unions that do portfolio loans, so mm-hmm. they have more freedom, and mm-hmm. most of them are up north. How, having said that, there's a, there's a national fintech called uh, Renofi, and uh, they're a sponsor of my channel on Transparency. But like, they have a product that works statewide. They partner with local credit unions. Um, to get you that that uh, second position mortgage that counts the future value of your um, ADU, and so there there's opportunities that are available to your listeners uh, today. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ryan. Yeah, of course. Now let's talk about some some unique situations. Um, you know, let's say someone lives in a community with a homeowners association mm-hmm. and the HOA <laughs> is trying to prevent them from building yeah. an accessory dwelling yeah. unit. Uh, do you know, um, do, do HOAs have that type of power? A great example of that uh, complicated conversation I was having with a two-step approach earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- yes, HOAs have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Having said that, the state has passed uh, a, a statute that specifically says 
HOAs should not prohibit the construction of ADUs. So if they have a requirement that would completely prohibit the construction of an ADU, especially a small one 800, under 800 square feet, mm-hmm. you've got a real strong set of arguments to, to uh, go back to the HOA. Having said that, now again, not legal advice for anybody's specific situation, but right. with all the folks I've worked with over the past few years, the, the best outcomes tend to be you go back to your HOA, you let them know what the rules are, and you say, but I'm not, I'm not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. I would love to work with you to get an ADU on my property that also fits with your goals. And you, you, you can have a, an agreeable outcome where they get their, their concessions from you and you still get your project done without hiring a bunch of lawyers. Um, then there's projects that go the other way and they, they really want to protect their rights. Uh, according to the state statutes, and they, they, they hire a lawyer and they fight the fight. Uh, so there's both extremes. <laughs> right. But, but the, the short version is HOAs have a lot of power, but they should not be able to prohibit you from building an ADU, and the rules that they enforce should be uh, objective, meaning you should be able to know what the outcome will be without going through an application process. So a good example of that is if they say uh, your roof line needs to match on the ADU in the primary, that's an objective fact. You can make a matching roof line. Mm-hmm. If they say your ADU needs to match the character of the neighborhood or it needs to pass a design review board, those are not objective because you can't know ahead of time what the outcome will be. And then you have more of a, of a fighting chance uh, to say that those rules are unenforceable. Again, not legal advice. <laughs> yeah. Again, I I completely understand. So now, I know parking is often a concern in many neighborhoods. And obviously, adding an ADU to a property could potentially increase the demand for parking spaces. So how do you recommend that we address the issue of parking when we're helping homeowners build ADUs? Yeah, I love this question because it gets to... It, get, it gets to the fact that parking is going to be an issue, right, mm-hmm. no matter what kind of residential we're building. Right. Um, and what I, what I love is to engage local agencies and say, hey, did you know that you actually make it really hard for the homeowner to build off-street parking? <laughs> right. uh, you don't allow it in the front yard is often mm-hmm. the case. Or you don't, you don't want them to get uh, uh, off-street parking in the backyard. You won't let them put in a carport or another structure. A lot of the time, people get upset that we're building housing because there's not enough parking. But, mm-hmm. but I, what I always try to say is, hey, we need to make it easier to make parking. <laughs> right. Uh, the, other, the other side of this is if you really care about parking in your neighborhood, and I, I understand that. I'm a homeowner. I, I'm very happy to, to have a, an undercrowded street parking situation. If it gets crowded, one of the best ways to regulate that is to enforce parking permit requirements, right? Yeah. Where mm-hmm. you need to you need to pay for a parking permit or you need to own a home to park in a certain neighborhood or you need to rent in that neighborhood. Now those solutions often really irritate people because they, they want free parking. <laughs> and right. they, they think that they own that spot in front of their house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's that's public space. So there's a lot of things we can do, whether it's make it easier for homeowners to develop parking uh, op- at which they can opt into. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
or whether it's enforcing how we use our public street parking. Um, okay. but, but that's kind of a separate thing in addition to ADUs. And what I tell people is the ADUs are coming. So if you, mm-hmm. you want to get a control or a handle on your parking, it's good to, to start working with your city officials to come up with good parking solutions today because the ADUs are coming. Well, yeah. Now, what about an ADU with a garage? I love that, right? <laughs> and and what's, what's the issue here is that the state rules don't force local agencies to let you build that big uh, unconditioned garage space. Mm-hmm. So if you propose a plan for, an, let's call it an 800-square-foot ADU with a 400-square-foot two-car garage attached to it, the city might say, well, you could do the ADU by right. I mean, they won't say by right, but you get the, you get the gist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could do the ADU, but that garage is going to require a planning commission review. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he go, come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> right. You want mm-hmm. the garage. Trust us. <laughs> yeah, you do. You absolutely yeah, you. do. Mm-hmm. Because so, I use my garage. Again, I use my garage for storage. So I'll just throw that out there, right? Yeah, that- yeah. Hey, don't we all? Don't we all? And, and that's and that's that's the issues at hand, right? So it's really I usually say, hey, I'm really touchy about parking too. But the way we we solve parking is by having parking policy. We don't solve parking by limiting the amount of housing we create, uh, because other you limit housing, people are still going to crowd into houses. They're right. going to overcrowd. There's still going to be a lot of street parking use. Um, it's it, or people use their garages for storage, as as we both do. Uh, <laughs> the way to solve parking is parking policy. Yeah, very good. Now, mm. you know we we've talked about garage conversions uh, being a popular choice for ADUs. What about adding an ADU as a second floor to a garage? Do people do that? Yeah. So that has a lot of cost implications because uh, most garages aren't built with the, the footings and right. foundation. To handle required that additional to do a full weight. second story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's a great way to think. If it's a teardown and replace mm-hmm. and your city allows it, that's a, great, that's a great direction to go in. And it's a very popular option in friendly cities. The ADU rules that the state passed a couple years back only require the city to approve ADUs that are under 16 feet in height, and then it lets the city define how it's going to measure height. <laughs> so ah, it's, okay. a whole, it's a whole kerfuffle there. Um, some cities have gone and made the progressive decision to have different height requirements for above-the-garage ADUs. Uh, the state has also passed follow-up regulations that under certain conditions, like if you're close to transit zones, like bus stops, if you are attached to a, a two-story house, in situations like that, you can exceed that 16 feet now. So it gets a little complicated again, um, but there are lots of ways to explore that above-the-garage conversion if cost isn't an issue. And the best way to start is by going to the planning department and saying, hey, I've got this property. I'm thinking I could build above the garage. I'm thinking I could build the backyard. Here, here are all my thoughts. What do you think? Do you have any documents for me to, to read? Any advice for me to take? Cool. So now, here's another thought. You know, in California, basements aren't nearly as common as they are in other regions. Um, but for those homeowners that do have basements, could a basement conversion be considered an ADU? And if so, absolutely. Okay, so now, are there some specific considerations or some challenges that 
that might come with converting a basement. Um, yeah. As, okay. So the, the the most typical roadblocks on the basement conversion are uh, your kind of overhead clearance. So. Uh. I always I ask people, well, what's the floor like in the basement? And uh, if it's if it's a dirt floor, then we're going to have to add some things. Right, right. <laughs> and you're going to you're going to lose some uh, some of your height. Mm-hmm. And then I say, okay, and then measure to, from the floor to the ceiling uh, how much space do you have? And different jurisdictions have different requirements, right. but somewhere in the ballpark of like seven and a half feet is mm-hmm. is what you need for it to be a habitable living space in most jurisdictions. And and so. Whatever it is for your jurisdiction, you need to figure that out. Because if you need to dig uh, to lower to increase the the, the ceiling height, right. that's going to add a lot of cost to that basement conversion. On the other hand, if you've got the height requirement and uh, you're already supporting the house above it, then it tends to be a quirky construction where you'll discover some things as you go, but it's not a deal breaker as long as you have that overhead clearance. Okay. Typically. So has California implemented any new laws that support the construction of ADUs? Oh, yeah. Every year. Every year. uh, Okay. Yeah. Right right now, there there are two bills. So we're at the stage where bills have passed through one house and they're in the other house. Okay. They started in the Senate, they're in the Assembly. If they're starting in the Assembly, they're in the Senate. And we've got bills up for separate conveyance. So -hmm. you could potentially condominiumize an ADU and sell it separately. Um, we've got a bill up uh, to um, allow... So right now, if you build an ADU, there's, the city can't force you to have an owner-occupancy requirement, but that provision sunsets in 2025. Okay. So there's a bill that would extend that exemption um, for much longer, so you wouldn't be able to have an owner-occupancy requirement on ADUs. Wow. And uh, a variety of other laws like that, but they're they're constantly tweaking because ADUs have been very successful. Out right. of all the housing reform, they are one of the 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 little the little things that we didn't realize were going to really change the game. <laughs> well, and I'm uh, I'm sitting is, here kind of awestruck, Ryan. That seriously, you could sell your ADU separate from uh-huh. your primary house. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Now, don't we well, have to have a survey? Don't we have to parcel that piece out? I mean, isn't there a right. lot yeah. involved in doing that? There is an enormous amount involved, and the way that it's being legislated at the state level leaves leaves a lot of work to be done at the local level. At the local level, level uh, yes. And so, so the the early iterations, of, I, I don't want to overhype this piece of legislation because it might might still change, it might not pass, it might you know, a lot of things could happen. Of course. Uh, but but that's that's how this sausage gets made, right? And mm-hmm. and they'll pass some version of a bill that will probably allow cities to opt in. And okay. the friendliest cities will say, okay, we want to be the test case. We want to be the guinea pig. We want to allow people to to convey their ADU separately. Uh, what are the best practices? And they'll kind of learn, oh, this is hard. Here are the sticking points. Right. Uh, and, and then they'll report back to the legislators of the state and say, oh, if you could improve these three things, then this would become much more feasible on a statewide level. That's my that's my hope anyway. I'm just I'm armchair quarterbacking the, the legislature. Well, and at this point, that's really all we can do. 
uh, is speculate right, yeah. and an armchair quarterback. Um, yeah. Well, wow. like you said, there's there's going to be plat maps and like all these complicated. Uh, all, all the complications involved in condominiums, basically. Right. Uh, one assumes that that's the process we'll, we'll be given to use for ADU conveyance. And currently, uh, from a law that passed a couple years ago, nonprofits can convey ADU separately. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's often like a little, a little concession, a little, con- a little toe in the water. And then we just go, okay, how, how is Habitat for Humanity doing? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, right. Can we do it for private owners now? Oh, that's interesting. And then we can we make it a broader thing that normal homeowners can do? Yeah. Right. Wow. Well, you know, ADUs have gained such popularity as a solution for addressing our housing shortages and for increasing urban density. You know, in your opinion, how do you see ADUs impacting the future of housing and communities? Yeah, I, I hope that ADUs really help us enrich our communities by creating gentle density. That, that's a that's a, a nerdy way to say it, putting more people in one neighborhood, right? Without sacrificing the character of the neighborhood, and and the hope there is that you know if people do want a historic single family residential neighborhood, ADUs feel just like that. They're, they just have a little less yard space, right? Um, and that that can mean better density, better mixed use, uh, more people living closer together, but but it's also closer to their jobs, and and just create a real rich sense of community. The alternatives uh, that create more housing, I also support, but they're more centralized solutions that involve bigger projects. So they're larger buildings, they're larger structures, mm-hmm. and in general, I'm a fan. Uh, I'm a fan of all of these approaches, but I, I personally am very passionate about a decentralized approach where every homeowner can create a solution that's right for their family and their home and their neighborhood. And I think we, we've shown how much you can do by giving homeowners the rights to do what they should do with their own property. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Adelaide, what questions do you have? Um, I'm just thinking, so... You know, if you own a couple of rental properties, this kind of would be nice sure. because if you have the ADU in your backyard, you could keep an eye on your tenants. You yes, know what you I mean? Could. <laughs> I think, sure. But then again, but then if but so, then again, there's, your there's tenants a leak, could keep an eye on knock, you. Knock, knock, knock at two in the morning. Hey, <laughs> I got a leaky faucet over here. You got to wake up and fix this. So, but but I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And I think earlier you mentioned twelve hundred square feet up to that's like uh-huh. uh, that's that's the the bigger size. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's like a house. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a regular yeah. house too. So, so if you if you put the, if you have a big enough backyard, I'm thinking, why not do this? But you could even do it as small as like a studio. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think I think absolutely. I think this is a great idea. But uh, but I know <laughs> earlier we did talk about parking. And, 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 yeah, that's and and I don't know. I'm in Campus Park. With, Lori knows that neighborhood obviously, but uh, it's an area where there's. It seems like you're getting more people in houses, as you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So parking, I could see become an issue if people do their garage, people add an ADU in the backyard. Yeah. If, if it does get excessive, yeah. that's that's the, the kind there's of There's so fear. much. There's so much to dig into there. So yeah. I'll start with the last thing. I think <laughs> it is easy to overbuild the property, and that was true before ADU rules, right? Mm-hmm. So don't undermine your property value by overbuilding. 
that, that's mm-hmm. also true about SB9, which is this law that allows you to build two houses where you could only build one before, mm-hmm. and it allows you to split your lot so you could build four units or four houses in different combinations on a lot that could only take one house before. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the projects I look at with the SB9 lens, I say, hey, you know, even if you're not living there, think about the value to the renter or to the future landowner. This lot can't handle four houses <laughs> the way the way most people pencil out houses. And so don't don't shoot yourself in the foot. More isn't always better. <laughs> so that's that's one thing I would I would say. We do need to exercise discretion. I and I think I trust homeowners to exercise discretion much more than city planning offices. I, I, I love my planners in every city and county in California, but I they're not their job isn't to consider the the property value for each homeowner. Their job is to plan a community, and I trust homeowners to to not overbuild their own lot. Because mm, I'll be honest, I picture mm-hmm. my backyard, a courtyard in the middle, yeah, three separate yeah. ADUs, <laughs> and we all share our Netflix passcodes, passwords to get in. And, and hey, hey, I'm just... <laughs> if you can make it work, right? It, it all depends on that backyard. There are cottage clusters in different parts of the country that are absolutely charming. And if you make if you make a little it, it counts as a fourplex, uh, that's really amazing. I've visited a lot of the infill. That's, that's another wonky word, but I've visited a lot of projects with four, five, six units in Portland, and mm. they are charming. They 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 feel very boutique. They feel very expensive, and they feel nice. They feel livable. Uh, I've also visited some projects where people just went a little too far, and so I always try to encourage <laughs> people, hey. Think, think about living here. Think about the design. Think about how it feels. Well, that yeah. that leads me to one more question, which is, what's the biggest mistake that you've seen homeowners make when they've built an ADU? Okay. The, the most common mistake is that they get a little ahead of themselves on what they uh, think they want to okay. build. So they'll come to me and say, Ryan, I want to build a 1,200 square foot ADU with four bedrooms and I want to spend less than $90,000. And there's, there's a lot going on there. And I'm like, okay, right. let's, let's take a few steps back. Uh, usually I tell people, what do you really want to accomplish? And then they'll have a story. They'll say, well, my, my autistic adult son, uh, I want him to have independence, but I still want him to be, be close by. And then, okay, what, what, building can we afford to build that will accomplish that goal? That's, a, that's something we can actually strive toward. Or I want to create a little rental unit, and I want to start generating rental income, and, and it's my first rental unit. Oh, okay, great. Let's talk about what studio unit you could do that would kind of dip your toe in the landlord water before going all in. Those, those are the, the biggest, most common correction I have. The worst mistake people tend to make, we, we alluded to this at the top, it's under budgeting, mm-hmm. and if you go in and I, I see this, I see this less frequently than the other problem we just talked about. But it hurts much more when I see it. People come and they they say, "Well, ADU prices are all over the place." But I got this guy who said he could do the whole thing for fifty five thousand, and uh, then they work with that contractor who might or might not be licensed, and they come back six months later and they're out of money, the project is half done, and there's all these change orders and, and extra costs, and they, they're, out, they're out of cash, and they can't get any 
real loan. Uh, they have very few lending options because the project's already started and there's regulations about that. And that, that, is, a, that is a heartbreak situation. You see people go to hard money, see people go to credit cards, and uh, they could have just they could have just budgeted realistically at the beginning. And that's um, why they need to contact you before they get started. <laughs> so well, that's, that's, I, that, I put as many free resources out there as possible so that yeah, you you go into it with eyes wide open. Absolutely. Um, and there's there's a Facebook group I manage with 26,000 California homeowners. It's free. It's called How to ADU on Facebook. You you go in there and people are talking about the problems they run into and they're celebrating their milestones so you get both the encouragement and the the, the heebie-jeebies <laughs> but it's a great place to go because because it opens your eyes to what can happen to homeowners and what is happening to homeowners and every day somebody finishes a project for a great cost by spending a lot of their personal time mm-hmm. but every day somebody's running into some real challenges that could have been avoided by working with professionals and, and uh, it's good to know both exist before you roll the dice. You have a wealth of resources for folks if they will just take advantage of them. So before we say goodbye, please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you and how to ADU. Oh, sure. You just you, I'm on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, but you Google how to ADU. My name is Ryan O'Connell. I hope that I put the the most common answers to the most common questions, I put those online for free because, honestly, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't take all the phone calls. <laughs> but, but now that information is out there for free, and that lets you start your journey. 90% of the people who go toward building an ADU, you will not need, need in any paid service. You will be able to self-serve for free, use the communities. If you run into some obstacles or if you want to belong to a private community of, of Sort of people who do a lot of ADUs. Who we, we've got paid options too, but but that's not that's not my priority. My priority is building a lot of housing in California, and I do that by empowering homeowners like your listeners to uh, know what their rights are. And and yeah, that's that's all there is. I, I hope uh, as many of you out there as possible uh, know what you're able to do and uh, figure out what your budget is and it, when you can afford to do this make a life-changing decision to, to develop an ADU for yourself or a family member. Thank you so much, Ryan, for all your time today. We really appreciate it. It has been uh, very enlightening, and um, it has been a wealth of information. So thank you. Oh, it's my great pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I, I hope we build a lot of housing in Kern County. I'm sure we will. A heartfelt thanks to each of you for tuning in today and for tuning in each and every week. In today's show, we've had the pleasure of connecting you with Ryan O'Connell from How to ADU. He has shared with us a wealth of information about accessory dwelling units. So if you're thinking about building one at your home, I strongly encourage you to reach out to Ryan's wealth of free information and get the ball rolling. So remember, if there are details of today's topic you'd like to revisit, or you know someone who would enjoy this information and couldn't tune in this hour, we've got three ways you can access the show. You can catch our Encore presentation each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. here on KNZR, just before Sean Hannity. You can hear this and previous shows wherever you get your podcasts by searching the Kern County Real Estate Review, or you can access the show on our website at themccartygroup.com, where you can listen to your heart's content.
This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review, wishing you and yours a blessed day and a fantastic week ahead. You're listening to 97.7 FM KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be back next week.